Welcome back, everyone, to the Sit Down Community Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Shaw, and I am so excited. Once again, I say this every single week for yet another guest who is just um, transparent and vulnerable and so full of wisdom. I am going to let her take it away and introduce herself. Hey, Steph and friends, anyone who's listening, super excited to hang out. I feel like full of wisdom is a dangerous comment, but you know, I'm here to hang out. (laughs) I'm excited to be here. My name is Lisette, uh, Lisette Fraser, I should say my last name. And I am a pastor at uh, Hillsong Atlanta and uh, a Canadian who just somehow ended up in the U.S. I've been a pastor for a long time. Uh, I've been married for a long time. I'm a mom of like adults, which is crazy. And so here I am happy to hang out. <laughs> awesome. Wow. It is so good to have you. And, and in today's conversation is really about um, the fact that the word of God is generational, which means we can pull wisdom and understanding and the good things um, of the word through a multi-generational lens and focus. And so maybe let's just start it off of what does it looked like over time for you as you navigate spiritual development, your relationship with the Lord to really lean into what wisdom looks like hmm. throughout different seasons? Hmm. That's such a great question. I mean, I think the pursuit of wisdom is something I mean, I think we should all have, I think there's a pursuit of knowledge that is very common in culture. People want to know things, but the pursuit of wisdom is a whole other layer of what does it mean to know, um, not just information, but to know how to utilize it well, how to live well, how to, how to do and do life in the way that God intended us to do it. And I think, um, just from a young age, I was around older people often who seemed to know everything. And that seemed really ridiculous to me (laughs) as a young person. I'm like, why do you know this? And how do you know this? And why are you right? Which is really irritating to me. I thought I was pretty smart. Um, And I was maybe smart, but I wasn't wise. Like those were two different Mm. things. And so I think I realized in life along the way um, that there was wisdom to listening to people who knew something that maybe I didn't know and who'd gone before me. And I think there were seasons in life when I realized it became really evident that there was something, um, both the word of God had that I certainly didn't have, but also that there were people who knew God and knew life and even knew me in ways that I didn't understand that were worth pursuing and learning from and listening to. Um, yeah. And that, that has been part of the journey for me, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Made such a good point. There's a difference between being smart and wisdom from a biblical perspective. What do you see just the different aspects of that and the differences looking like? Yeah. I mean, I think there's even just conversations throughout scripture about like having knowledge, but having wisdom, like actually mm-hmm. defining those as two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowledge is about information. It's about knowing, which I think is important, but wisdom, we see that through the wisdom literature, right? Like those are the books of the Bible that are about wisdom. We see that about King Solomon, who was wise. Um, I feel like Proverbs is such a good example of like trying to understand the difference between wisdom and knowledge. But again, yeah, wisdom is just that idea of knowing what to do with things and situations. Mm-hmm. Knowledge is, I've met really smart people who don't know how to live life, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't know what to do with something, but they yeah. know a lot, you know, you can, I think you can sense that difference. And I would say there's people that have this immense amount of wisdom, which looks like um, an innate ability to respond well to situations, respond well to people that maybe aren't what you would consider naturally smart or knowledgeable of a topic per se, Mm -hmm. but they know how to navigate life in a way that is unreal. And so I think even as humans, we can sense that difference. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. In terms of, I think one of, (laughs) one of the things I myself have been called out on is just I don't know what it is about us in early development, young adulthood. We think we know it all. We're like these warrior conquerors. You can't stop me. Maybe that was just me. No, I don't know. (laughs) But for me, I was like, no one can stop me. Like, um, 
And so I think for me recently, we had a sermon at church and the speaker was just talking about how the word of God is generational. And we have young people who are so resistant to wisdom out of pride of having to actually acknowledge we don't know what we're being taught or seeking wisdom about. And then we have older generations who write us off as, you know, not being willing to listen and being the ways that we are. And how do we break through those barriers of resistance to really connect on a generational level? That's such a great question. I think, I mean, there's two things that really come to mind to me because it is, it's about me and the older generation, right? Mm-hmm. I don't like landing in that category quite yet, but I just recognize you're not there yet. It's fine, <laughs> but I'm kind of there. I actually have to acknowledge like middle age, which sounds terrible to me. That's fine. Um, but I think there's something about our approach to it as well as the willingness to receive, right? It's a willingness to give and a willingness to receive. And I think both are tricky. I really feel for the younger generation. I really feel for, I see it in my kids, right? Both in college at this time. And I see this um, demand and expectation to know a lot, Mm -hmm. right? And honestly, a sense that you can find information anywhere because you can. And I would say that's where that pursuit of knowledge is pretty easy. You can Google anything, but how do you have the wisdom to know what you should be taking in and what you shouldn't be taking in? How do you have the humility to say that there might be something outside of what I can Google and what I can see on the internet um, and receive from that? And especially when I would say post-pandemic, we've literally just taught everyone that everything you need is on the computer because we needed you to survive that way. Mm. And we even did it as a church, right? We told people, no, you don't have to come to church to worship. You can get your sermon online. You can worship in your home. And we actually need to flip the other side now and say, but also you need other people. Also you need relationship. Also you need. And so I feel like we've just been in this weird season. So, um, I think there's a sense of to what you're saying. I mean, listen, I remember in my 20s, I thought I knew everything. <laughs> and I think that's just part of that age. Yeah. Just, and I had a baby in the in my early 20s. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was the moment that leveled me. I was like, oh, I know nothing. And yeah. I should not be responsible <laughs> for another human development. That was a big, big moment for me. But um, the other side of it is I think you're right. I think there's an older generation that feels disconnected that feels like um, they actually don't have the knowledge. I don't know how to navigate social media or the internet or a lot of things at the pace at which you can. Um, So I think the knowledge wisdom gap actually has become really wide, but the knowledge gap can feel so intimidating that the older generation isn't necessarily, they don't know how to lean in. They don't know how to have the conversation and they feel so quickly pushed out um, that they don't, they won't pursue. And so I think there's an obligation on both sides. Yeah. You know, that's so good. I mean, even it's funny, I'm in Proverbs now and it was just like wisdom, understanding discretion, like repeatedly just in the five chapters I've, I've been reading so far. And what do you think are some practical ways in which both sides can start engaging um, more with each other of how can the younger generations, how can those of us in our twenties that are really just trying to prove ourselves in a very <laughs> fragile way? Uh, it's like, okay, sinking sand or the rock. Uh, I would rather be on the rock, but how can <laughs> we be just approaching wisdom better? And then on the flip side for older generations, what does it look like for us to come in the middle and, and take the knowledge part out and really look at what does wisdom look like yeah. now, especially yeah. the pandemic with just life changing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think curiosity is the first step, honestly, mm-hmm. it's just yeah. a curiosity and an interest in humanity mm-hmm. um, that should drive all of us as people and as believers. Honestly, I think what we see in Jesus all the time was questions. Mm. He didn't even need to be curious, right? He actually knew, but I think he modeled something for us that we all need, which is a sense of curiosity, Mm -hmm. um, a willingness to know, and also um, 
a response of willingness to be known. So I think there's both on both sides all the time. Mm -hmm. And so even if you're not sure what you're looking for, even if you feel a little guarded, I think you can be curious about people, about their journey, about who they are. And I think that is true for younger and older, that a willingness to be curious and a willingness to learn and to be really open-handed of just saying, I don't know what there is to receive here, but there might be something to receive here that is worth uh, pursuing for both sides. And I think um, when we look at, especially just the, the climate of our world, but I think the climate of North America, just in general, there's just such a division. And mm -hmm. I think for people of faith to just have an openness of curiosity to yeah. learn and to sit with would be such a great step. You know, that's just wisdom in itself, I think, actually. Mm -hmm. um, then I think there's, there's a side of that bridging that knowledge and wisdom gap is, is how do you process information? We might not even understand the same information, but we can learn how people have processed information, mm -hmm. how they see things, how they view things, what they're receiving from things that can give us a lot of wisdom and a lot of growth. Yeah. And I think trying to look for um, what you hope to have. You know, um, our pastor said this past Sunday, he, he uses this phrase all the time where he'll say, show me your friends and I'll show you your destiny. Mm -hmm. And I think who you surround yourself with will always point to the future. It will always point to the future because it's impacting how you think, how you move. And when I think about that, I'm like, man, I, I better surround myself with people that know a lot more than me that are smarter, that are better, that are wiser than me, because that is what I hope to be in the future. Yeah. And so what does it look like to find those people? And I think even, you know, I jokingly said when I had my daughter, that really changed everything for me. But I remember being about, she was six weeks old. She was not sleeping. My husband and I were too young to have a child. <laughs> <laughs> what I would say we got we were like 22 and 23 we yeah. we had this five-year plan that God laughed at so here we were <laughs> with this baby going what are we doing mm -hmm. and I remember somebody saying to me find some people that have adults you like and ask their question ask them what to do mm -hmm. and I was like okay so not somebody who had a kid I liked but a parent who had adults that I liked and yeah. I was like okay so I thought about my best friend well, I liked her. So maybe her parents knew something, mm -hmm. right? And they didn't necessarily know the world I was parenting in because obviously there was 22 years since they had a baby, but they knew some things that I for sure didn't know. And yeah. so I remember asking some people like that, well, what did you do? And funny enough, they all started telling me the same things. And I was like, oh, there's probably something to this. This is probably what wisdom is. And so I started listening and sure enough, parenting became a lot easier. We started sleeping and the world started looking better, you know, <laughs> and that was just like super practical. Yeah. But I just think there are people that have the life you hope to have. Mm. There are people that have the faith you hope to have. And it might not fully make sense because they utilize it differently. They view it differently because they, maybe the internet didn't exist when they, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. but they know things that you need to know. And are you willing to go and pursue that and be curious about it? Mm, that's yeah. So good. Um, even in terms of <clears throat> just beliefs on the Bible, beliefs about life, our, you know, called to live it. I think, um, from my own personal experience, there's a resistance to ending a conversation with having differing views mm -hmm. that if I'm building community by the end of a conversation, it better be the same thing. We better be like on the same page and X, Y, and Z. And I was having a conversation with an older adult actually yesterday. And she asked me, she's like, well, why would you have that conversation if that person doesn't agree with you? Mm -hmm. And I had to sit with that. Like, are we just going to avoid conversations because of disagreement and potential division or, you know, an end of a relationship, friendship, whatever it might be. And, and so I think my next question is really, how do we sit in disagreement? How do we, um, maybe sit in just the discomfort of that without losing love and without losing honor and integrity in our relationships? Mm. Yeah. And talk about a world that is teaching us to not do that. Right? right. I mean, we're literally telling everyone, if you don't agree with me, I don't listen to you. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't want to be in relationship with you. And yet 
scripture is full of people that didn't agree with one another, but were called to the same mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even scripture talks about us being as people of faith, being a part of the ministry of reconciliation, which naturally lends itself to being with people you don't agree with. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus tells us to love our neighbor, to love our enemy. Well, that means we don't agree with them. So what does it mean to sit with people? And also, I just wonder if we have become so quickly confident that we're right. Mm. Like, how do you know you're right? Exactly. How do you, I can tell you, I know I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> so often I'm like, wow. You know, and I love, I mean, my dad all the time, um, who is a man of wisdom, he's a prayer warrior and mm-hmm. he'll always say, so what if you're wrong? And you're like, well, I don't know. I, I hadn't really considered if I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm just so confident. Yeah. I'm right, you know? And so I think, first of all, that again, like, I just wonder about our willingness to have a posture of saying like, what if I'm wrong? Mm. As opposed to assuming every time I enter a conversation, I'm right. Yeah. But is there absolute truth? Yes. Do I think scripture is true? Yes. But, but have you and I not been in conversations with people that deeply love the Lord who totally read scripture differently? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like I honestly, like I've been with people where I'm like, wow, I know you love the Lord. I love the Lord. We have worshiped beside each other and literally do not agree on what scripture says about something. Yeah. And so who's right? Who's yeah. right? I mean, they've prayed. I've prayed. Yeah. I assume they've sought it. They've sought it faithfully. I've sought it faithfully. So who's right? Well, Jesus, Jesus is the only one who's right. And I have like a certain level of humility. I think we have to carry that. We're probably all going to find out we were wrong on something. Yeah. So is there a willingness to learn? And that doesn't mean we don't hold to our convictions. I think we should, Mm -hmm. but I think the older I've gotten, honestly, the less things I would say are on my list of absolutes. Mm. And I actually thought I would probably be stronger on those and I'm probably less on those Okay. because along the way, in, in the sense of absolute, they're absolute for me. Yes. Like I still hold to my convictions, mm-hmm. but there's a sense of like, I don't know. I trust that, you know, the Lord's working on your heart as well. So I'm not as dogmatic with somebody else as I maybe used to be, mm-hmm. but, um, I don't know that I'm fully answering your question as we're thinking about this, but no. I think, I think it is a sense of like, is there a willingness to, to be curious? Is there a willingness to hear a different perspective? Mm-hmm. Is there a willingness to hear a different side of the story? Yeah. Um, because I think for all of us, we come to our convictions because of our story. Mm-hmm. We come to our convictions based on our experience. We come to it based on the conversations we have. And I think about even what you were posting um, last week. This is kind of a hot button issue, oh, you're right. um, but like abortion, Mm-hmm. And I think we can f- flippantly say one thing or the other thing. Yeah. Right. Um, without thinking about the story people bring to the conversation. Now, yeah. does the story change truth? I'm not saying that, but it might change how we approach it. Right. It might change our empathy and our gentleness towards it. So can we hear that? Yeah. Um, and even just understanding generational thought, like, what shaped why I think something or how I think something. Um, yeah, that's so good. Yeah. It was really interesting too. It's funny because for some reason I didn't think people would support the post because just background for those of you listening, um, just looking at, you know, Texas's new act that has been put into law and, and really looking at that from, my perspective as a social worker, but also having grown up in the church, believing it to be wrong, believing that abortions weren't part of God's plan, but humanity was part of God's plan. He wanted to come and bring freedom and restoration and reconciliation. And, you know, it's tough because I was saying, do I, you know, grieve for the lives that aren't going to have life? Absolutely. Sometimes, but I've also sat in just the, the deep, just middle space of women who were either forced into abortion or chose it 
And regardless of my take, my upbringing, anything like that, if I don't have love, what's the point of like trying to engage? If I don't have love, if it's a love that clearly is countercultural, people pick up on that. And so a lot of it was, let's think about it. Yes. It's sad that there are children who are not going to be born into this world. Absolutely. But coming from a background of domestic violence intervention and child abuse intervention, I've seen some really just the things that parents do that just grieve my heart for children who are going to carry that trauma in their bodies potentially for the rest of their life, you know? And, and so just looking at that even, and, and, you know, opening up conversations through social media, through in-person about that. And what does that look like to still carry love, to still um, have honor for human beings, but also know what the scripture says about life and freedom and reconciliation. And that Jesus came on the cross, not as this whitewashed, like man in white transcending into the heavens, Jesus, like the way I see him. And I've explained in other episodes too, it's the Jesus of the cross. It's the one with the crown of thorns. He is bloody and sweaty from carrying that cross up the mountain and he's caked in dirt. Like that's the Jesus who gave it all so that I could have something different. So I could have access to eternity. And so what do you think, even in terms of that, that hot topic button of abortion that has been a hot topic for a long time, like, uh, you know, uh, just, I'm having a blank on what I'm trying to say. Biracial marriages take uh, into consideration any, any hot topic button in culture how do we sit in disagreement in a way that honors God? Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I don't know that we've ever won anyone with hatred. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we've ever changed anyone's mind by yelling at them, by marching with a sign, Mm -hmm. by hitting them with truth. I just don't know that we've ever changed anyone's mind that way. Yeah. I think the only way that people's minds are changed Mm -hmm. is in relationship. And you don't have relationship when you're judging and you're hating and you're throwing words at someone. Right. You have relationship by sitting with someone, by living with someone, by doing mm-hmm. life and loving them. And that's the invitation. And that's what Jesus did. I mean, that is the incarnational gospel, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus could have done it any other way. God could have done it any other way. And yeah. instead he sent a baby to a manger, to a young couple to a girl who wasn't married, right? Like, I mean, the the whole story teaches us about how God loves and Mm -hmm. how God invites people in. Yeah. And so it's the woman at the well who easily he could have thrown a stone at, easily he could have done anything to, but Mm -hmm. instead he asked her to serve him and asked her who she was, right? And I think that just teaches us about who Jesus is and the way he moved isn't the way we should move. And so when I think about a world that is so divided and so broken, and there's really, really hot topics, obviously there, Mm -hmm. I think the other question we, we should just keep asking is like, what's underneath it? What's underneath it? Cause it's something so much deeper than what we see. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, when I think about abortion, we're not just talking about that moment that somebody's making that choice, there's a whole story always surrounding it, right? There's so many reasons surrounding it. There's so many things. Um, So what does it look like for us to be people who engage that and who love people and invite them um, towards Jesus and let Jesus Mm -hmm. do the work? That's not our job. Our job is to love and to love really, really well. Mm -hmm. Um, That doesn't mean we don't talk about truth. That doesn't mean, but I think it's where and it's how we do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think over the years about the students have, who have come to me asking like really hard questions about their identity, about their sexuality, about choices mm-hmm. they've made or about things that were made to them, you know, about mm-hmm. all the things that have happened in life. And I just think um, the moments that God could give me enough wisdom to not say something dumb, but to say, <laughs> um, you know, I love you and I know God loves you. And maybe we could study scripture together and find out what God has to say to us, Mm -hmm. as opposed to me saying, here's what I think God says to you. I think we invite God to speak to them and we journey that journey with them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the only way. That's the only way I can see. Yeah. Um, because otherwise we just remain divided all the time. Right. Yeah. And it seems like, at least in some of my conversations, it's like, are you shaming me for having a different approach or a different perspective? But God created us so intricately and uniquely to our individual self. It's like, we all come from different experiences and backgrounds and homes and family, you know, dynamics and attachment styles. I mean, there's so many different factors and dimensions to it. And that's just the complexity of humanity. So how would you how would you encourage us to really um, seek out loving kindness uh, to replace shame with just honor and integrity? And, Mm -hmm. but also while pointing back to the word of the word is our roadmap, it's our gift and blueprint that people have died, that we would have this Bible before us. Mm -hmm. How do we honor the word while honoring other people in the midst of division? Yeah. It's hard. I mean, that, I just want to say, I think it's hard. <laughs> and I think I was talking to a, um, an older pastor a couple of weeks ago and I was just asking him how he'd done that, you know? And he was like, you know, I just had to keep reminding myself, I think that's Jesus's job. And my job was to love. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't know. Is that a cop-out? I was like, I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> but it was just, there was so much wisdom to how he had journeyed in life to say, I didn't need to ask always details on, on what they were doing, you know, or what was wrong in what they were doing. My job was to invite them into relationship and point them to Jesus and allow Jesus to do that and to journey that together and to wrestle through that together. But to allow God and the spirit to really be the one doing the work. Um, but what's hard is again, is that division that we've been taught. It's, it's that black and white thinking that we've been taught. It's if we grew up, I mean, to be fair, I grew up in pretty conservative fundamentalist churches where there was hard lines on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I realized along the way, and I think that just threw me off was that I met Christians who hadn't done some of those things that I was taught you had to do to be saved. Mm-hmm. And somehow they were still a Christian because they acted like one. And so I was very confused. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And so I had to wrestle with, wait, so what do, what, what is requ- required for lack of a better term? Yeah. And what does it mean to be a faithful follower of Jesus? And I think as I've gotten older and as I've watched that, I think about, well, God calls us to love, you know, love your neighbor as love the Lord, your God, and then love your neighbor as yourself. That is the greatest command Jesus said. Right. And then we have scriptures like Micah 6, 8, that says, you know, like, what does the Lord require of me? I don't know how much more blatant that needs to get. Yeah. Love just right to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly. So what does that mean for us? I mean, that's exactly what that means. Like, how do we act justly? How do we love mercy? How do we walk humbly? And how do we pull people along? So I don't know that shame's gotten us anywhere. I think lots of us carry lots of it. And I don't know that that ever means we walk in freedom. And Jesus talks about freedom, not about shame ever. He doesn't ever say like, I need you to walk with shame. He says, it's for freedom. I set you free. Um, And so I don't know, how do we, how do we just keep pointing people towards that freedom um, to finding forgiveness, to remembering that over and over in scripture, we watch people who are very broken, who make really silly, stupid, ungodly decisions get used by God. So who are we to say it should be any different? Absolutely. That's so good. I was reading a scripture in Romans and I was talking about being wise to what is good and yet innocent to what is evil. Mm. And I was thinking about that in the context of division and competition. And Mm. I wonder if we've become like just idolaters towards division because we want to prove we're right. And what if neither one of us is right at the end of the conversation? I didn't think about it this way. And um, so how do we navigate we'll kind of move towards the community aspect and components of it, of how do we move as a community, as a body of Christ, where each part is different and yet we all need each other to fulfill the full body of how do we 
just fulfill wisdom in its fullest and most authentic form that God's given us through the word of being wise about what is good, because what is good is light. And I think we're so impressed with darkness because it's like, oh, wow, like it's so it makes us curious, too. But it's like, no, then you fall into all these temptations and traps. So how as a community have you in your own personal life and then even within, you know, launching Hillsong Atlanta with your team? What does that look like to really be disciples? Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like over COVID, like honestly, for the last almost two years, I feel like God has consistently brought me back to Philippians 4. Mm. You know, think about whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is holy. Um, you know, and it goes through the list. Think on these things and the peace of God will be with you. And I think... Um, peace is a good indicator of where we're at with God, mm. right? Um, because the world can be falling apart. Your personal word can, world can be falling apart and you can actually carry a peace because God is in the center of that with you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I think when, when we get outside of like really walking in step with God and his spirit and, and the things that he would set our minds on, mm-hmm. I think peace is one of the first things to go right? We live in a world that is more anxious, more depressed, more nervous, more unsure, more confused than, than I've ever seen. Let me just say that we know that. I mean, statistically, the numbers are telling us that. Um, and I would say all of that is a sense of being off center with where God would want us to be and to think on, not to say that I don't think mental illness and, and other things need help. I'm not, I don't want to ever, you know, I don't want to be flippant about that in any way, shape or form. And nor do I want to say, you can just pray that away. Yeah. I have close family members that, you know, need medication and Jesus, right. We like, and yeah. I don't feel fine about that. But <laughs> I think on, on a, on a broad sense though, what does it look like for us to stay um, close to how God thinks and how God sees and what he sees. Mm. And I would say a lot of that is about what we're taking in. Yeah. And, um, I think that's a really hard thing to say culturally um, because I don't think people like to hear that. Um, And we have been taught in this season Mm -hmm. that our identity is so wrapped up in what media, um, what media tells us and, and how media is responding to what we put out. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if we put out things that are polarizing if we put out things that are aggressive, if we put out things that are strong, we get a ton of response to that. And that feeds this idea that that's where we need to live on the edge, on the margin, on the, you know, and I think wisdom would tell us though, I remember, sorry, I'm kind of like all over the place in my mind, but I'm like, (laughs) um, but I remember being three, four months into the pandemic, and sitting with my team, I was still in California at the time, um, sitting with our team and just feeling like everyone on staff, and these are all pastors, right? Like, let's be clear, they should be really close to Jesus, right? And they are, I'm not saying they aren't, but everyone was overwhelmed. Everyone was anxious. Mm-hmm. Everyone was having trouble sleeping. Every, yeah. Like, it was literally like tension was at a 20 out of 10. Yeah. And I remember just saying, can I ask everyone to just put away their phones and their computers for 24 hours? Just put it all away. Me too. So that means we're not going to be texting each other, but can I just ask everyone to take 24 hours? Um, And I said, I know that's hard. I know we need everything, but can we just take 24 hours? Like, just don't read the news. Don't get on Instagram. Don't do any of it. And we got to the end of 24 hours and everyone was like, it was like they could take a deep breath. Wow. Yeah. And it's, I think we'd forgotten what we were intaking was only feeding one side. We Mm -hmm. weren't intaking what needed to feed the other side, which was what is true is God hasn't changed. God is still on the throne. He knows everything that's going on. God Mm -hmm. still sits in the middle of what is, what it feels unrestful. We know we live in a broken and dark world, but we know who ultimately has the victory, but we had lost sight of all of that. Yeah. And how do you make a conscious choice to say, I will stay close to Jesus and close to other people that are pursuing Jesus so that my intake of true, honest, right is bigger than everything else. 
And honestly, going to church once a week probably won't do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Because yeah. one hour a week will not combat the other hundreds of hours of week that we take in. And I, I feel that burden for a younger generation that is so, well, I watch old people on their phones all the time, but <laughs> to be fair, um, but I think about my own kids. I think about my kids' friends and I feel like the voice of TikTok is louder than the voice of Jesus. Mm. And the algorithm of TikTok is just going to push it one direction. Mm-hmm. If there's one or two things you're curious about, it's just going to take you. And I think things that we're actually curious about in the spirit get answered by the world. Wow. And then you are quickly misled mm. and you don't even know you are. Yeah. Um, and how do you combat that? Well, you, you have to work really hard because I really do believe that the devil and darkness will absolutely kindly take you that direction yeah. and make you think you're right on the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is so good. Wow. So how do you think then, because I would argue that teenagers, even young adults, they most likely would be like 24 hours. I can't take 24 hours off. Totally. Of or <laughs> I can't, you know, delete my TikTok or I can't go off Instagram, <laughs> whatever it might be. How do we begin understanding that the information and and knowledge and information coming from social media, from deciding we just want to Google things instead of coming to the word of God and what he says about those same things. How can that be um, just destructive in terms of not only our own individual relationship with the Lord, but also as a community of believers? Yeah. Well, I think what's, what's, what the devil has always done is he will take you just a tiny bit off track, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not usually just blatant. It's not yeah. just the, like, this is good and this is bad. So go bad. Mm-hmm. It's always like, you know, if, if it's true North, it's like two degrees off of true North, mm-hmm. but we know that as something continues on that two degrees becomes eventually further and further and further and further. Right. And so I think that is true in the church. I think that is true in the Christian community. And I think when we get really caught up by cultural issues and forget to lay scripture first, Mm. um, we quickly, quickly get off track and don't even realize it. And I would say I found myself there as well, right? I get caught up by the story of culture. I get caught up by the stories of people that I love and I care about and I watch things, but the cultural answer and the Christian answer aren't always the same, Mm. Um, but they can feel similar enough that we quickly get caught. Yeah asking scripture to give the same answer as culture, as opposed to allowing scripture to give the answer and culture be laid on top of that. We, we just flip flop, which one comes first. Mm, Yeah. Good. So I just wonder what it looks like for us to at least become even aware of what we're taking in. Um, You know, and I think that's step one. It's like, I watch, I remember back in the day, do you remember the show, the OC? I don't know if this was a thing. Oh yeah, sure do. <laughs> so I was a youth pastor in Canada when the OC was really big and all of my students were watching it. And I remember deciding to host taco C parties. We'd eat tacos, we'd watch the OC and then we'd talk about it. That just became a thing. It was super cheesy. It's <laughs> youth pastors say all kinds of cheesy things. <laughs> but what I realized was if they were all watching that, they weren't going to watch some Christian show with me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But they were watching the OC. So I could watch that with them, but my goal was to help them to realize what they were taking in Mm. so that that message didn't speak truth to them because they were just absorbing it, but that they can watch it and be like, okay, so what do you think God thinks about that? What do you think Uh, when you watch that, when you watch Ryan and Marissa, what do you think? (laughs) You know, (laughs) and we could like laugh and have fun, but I also wanted them to have a moment where culture wasn't telling them what was true. They were telling culture what was true based Mm. on what God saw. And I think we have to find a way like that's wisdom, right? Is trying to say, it's not, it's not forming my identity. It's not forming my belief. I'm Mm. actually informing it what it is. Um, who's in control of this? God is in control of me. Therefore it in control of that versus it being in control of me. Right. Right. Yeah. 
Absolutely. How do you think we can kind of set up um, different checkpoints throughout different seasons, even in our day-to-day where we're reminding ourselves, is this something that is the character of God or is this the character of culture? What does that look like? I mean, I think even for myself, um, I was feeling like I couldn't focus on anything. I was watching way more TV than I normally do and just totally disengaged with the things I was trying to accomplish. And I had to sit and think about my habits from day to day. And it's like, well, TV gets in the way and my phone gets in the way. And so what would it look like to not lay in bed for the first hour I'm up and watch something like, wow, what a thought, you know, and so August, I was like, okay, that was a mess. We're going to do things different. So I've been putting on my own social experiment on myself of, all right, I get up, I make my bed and I don't get back in bed until the evening time. Yeah. And I start my morning in gratitude and prayer and I'll read a bit and then I'll look at my day and what it includes. And even, so this is my third week of doing it. And I was just thinking, wow, like my mind is so much clearer. Yeah. And it's funny, kind of like when we're fasting and we're like, I can't get through this. I really want to eat. It's like, same thing was like, I want to watch TV right now. I don't want to be reading this book, but for me, knowledge and wisdom was more important than watching something that could have totally, you know, put me backwards. Yeah. Um, so how do we do that? How do we set up with our individual personalities? How do we set up those supports to really check ourselves when we need to? Yeah, that's really good. And I think that's why we need each other, right? We need community yeah. that remind us like, you're not on your best game right now. <laughs> you know, like it's not you at your best. Um, but I think it's it's like you you saying like you're having this moment where you realize I don't feel my best right now. Yeah. And I need to figure out how to do something about that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's about that is wisdom. <laughs> okay, yeah. what do I need to do about it? And then sometimes it's experimenting. It's trying to figure out, okay, what are the things that are going to make the difference for me? Mm-hmm. Um and what do I want out of life? If we say we're, we're people of faith, I assume that means you want to live a life connected to Jesus and it, yeah. it's one you want. So how are you connecting with Jesus? Have you figured that out and what's getting in the way of that? Mm. Um, and sometimes it's journaling and just realizing like, man, there's certain thoughts I'm constantly battling and then trying to identify what is affecting that right? Yeah. Is, it, is it the type of TV shows you're watching? Is it just, you shouldn't be watching at all? Is it the type of music you're listening to? Is it the amount of TikTok? Is it the amount of Instagram? Is it the amount of news? Is it the lack of Jesus, Bible, prayer, quiet, yeah. you know, and then what do you need to change about it? And are you willing to try to change your habits? Yeah. Um, because it's true. It is, it's a habit. And it's, um, I think also, trusting that you can because God can, right? So that is why we fast. Maybe you do need try five hours off of social media. Yeah. If that's where you got to start. I will not open social media till, you know, noon every yeah. day or I will not, the world probably won't fall apart. Yeah. My yeah. life is not going to unravel. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's about figuring out who you trust and how you trust them. And yeah. that, that should be fun. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So in a, um, just with accountability and having people to call us out on those things of, Hey, you seem a little odd yeah. or not odd, <laughs> a little off. Oh. Yeah. I mean, you could call them odd. Odd too, like but... <laughs> <laughs> um, you seem a little off lately. What's going on? Like, is there anything I can help you with? And I think even for me, you know, I was having a hard time. I came back from uh, living out of state and now back in California. And I was thinking, man, like, I need to be doing life with people. Like the very thing I resisted for so long, God's like, that's what I'm calling you to like surprise. Um, and even in a, in a small example of exercising by myself, I've now invited a friend to start, you know, exercising with me too. And she went out of town last week and I'm like, can you come back now, please? Like, and even just small shifts like that, where it's the accountability of having someone else present. Um, and so, how do we, how do we form those really just solid groups of people in our lives that keep us accountable that can say the things that might hurt our feelings if it came from someone else, but because it's coming from them, we know it's love and it's honoring and, and it points us back to God, not away from him. How do we grow those communities? Yeah. 
I think it's just about taking a risk sometimes, right? It's really mm-hmm. hard. I get it. I will say I am a low trust person in real life. Um, you know, had enough hurt in my life to be really cautious with people. Mm-hmm. And yet <clears throat> I have seen that God consistently, I mean, from the beginning of time, God three in one, right? He yeah. started in community, which means we were all designed for community. Right. We need people. Right. Um, and so that, I don't think that means just throwing the gates open and letting anyone speak into your life. But I think, you know, there's a reason we're invited to be in the body of believers. There's a reason we're invited to do life with people. And I think we pursue that and we pursue God and ask him for those people. And you take a risk, right. Yeah. And start offering that space to people. And I love that you said, like, even just inviting somebody to go to the gym with you or having coffee with someone, I had breakfast with a new friend today and I loved it. Right. Like it's, it's a new person who loves Jesus and I'm trying to figure out with them. Okay. Um, you know, what does it look like to invite them to speak into my life? And that means I got to share pieces of my life so that they have a way to speak towards that. And it's a journey, but I think it's a worthwhile journey because we can't do it alone. We totally can't do it alone and we need people that can speak and to spur us on. Um, but I think wisdom says we pick people that are looking for the same thing. Mm, yeah you know, people that also want to grow people that love Jesus people that are in pursuit of more of him and more of life in him um that's who you invite in yeah absolutely so good so you've already given us so many different just pieces of encouragement throughout this time but what would be some just practical takeaways um Mm. For the younger generations, for those who are young and in middle school, high school, I don't even know if this would be something that they would listen to as a podcast Never know. <laughs> or, you know, going into college and navigating identity outside of the family you grew up in and then post-grad life, which is such a unpredictable season and just twenties. What does that yep. look like to just really engage in what we've talked about? What are some yeah. ways? I think, I mean, I think to be a really good a person of faith, you do study culture and you study Christ, you, but you have to keep in mind which one actually informs your identity and which one would like to inform your identity. Yeah, two things. So good. And yeah. I think, especially as a young person, I'm, everything is about that, right? Everything is about trying to understand who I am mm-hmm. and where I belong and what my purpose in life is. And yeah. I think we're all asking those questions. I don't think those questions ever end, but I think they feel really big when you're yeah. young and you're trying to figure that out. And I think you have to determine first, like the who I am first has to be determined by whose you are. And yeah. so if you are choosing um, to follow God, even though you're going to have doubts, that's okay. You're going to have questions. That's okay. God never said you didn't have to have any of those things. Right. Um, I would just say you don't go to get answers about God from people who don't know God. Mm. Right. It's yeah. like, I don't ask, well, I do. <laughs> and this is where it gets crazy. I was going to say, I don't ask the internet for medical answers. <laughs> the Mayo Clinic, doctor to give me advice, <laughs> medical, right? I would ask a nutritionist to give me advice about health. I would ask a physiotherapist to tell me how to heal something in my body. Mm-hmm. I, and so I think we got to be discerning and wise about who are you asking about faith? Mm-hmm. Ask people who are actually knowledgeable about faith, who have pursued that, um, who have faith. So ask the right people, the right questions, right? That's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, not being scared of culture, but allowing culture to remind us what we're asking and where those answers come from. And then I think the question of belonging just feels so big in our culture. And I would say the family of God is your primary location of belonging. Mm. Um, What's hard is so often the family of God is built of really broken people and it has been a place of hurt or confusion for us. Mm. Um, And so I would just encourage anyone to say, how do you find the people of God where you do belong that is healthy and whole. And there's a lot of great churches and a great community. Don't throw one out. Right. It mean nothing is good. Just right. pursue that and find the right place. Right. Mm-hmm. I would say the same about a therapist. You need a good therapist. Yeah. The first one might not be good. That doesn't mean you don't need therapy. Go find yeah. some more. You right. Community. <laughs> if you don't like the one you're in, go find, find a good one. Yeah. <clears throat> 
And then I would say, just, just keep in mind that your purpose is connected to God's purpose for your life. Mm. And so, um, pursue everything with that in mind and pursue people that have that in mind. And so when things feel lost and muddy and unsure, the devil would love to get you to land in that unsurety, that muddiness, and to believe that that therefore means God and faith and community are untrue. No, it just means it's, it's maybe not the right spot and you got to find it, but God is true. God is good. God sits in the midst of all of this still with us. And, um, there are people that can remind you of that. And you just, I would encourage people to find those people, find those older people that have loved Jesus for 60, 70, 80, 90 years and sit with them and have them remind you why he's still good and still true, um, because they've tested it and you need their reminders and their stories to keep your faith for a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for those. Those are so good. Well, would you just, um, pray us out of this time together? Would love to, would love to, would love to. Um, Father God, thank you for the gift of community and friendship. Thank you for Steph. Thank you for this conversation. And thanks for just a chance to think about what it means to be people of wisdom, um, for us to be people who have a faith that is passed from a generation that also needs to be passed to another generation. Mm. Um, I just think God about the youngest ones right now that are watching this world and wondering um, who the church is and who you are and who the people of faith are. Um, And God, we want to be those people. We want to be people that are faithful, that are found faithful, that help point a younger generation, whatever age we are, there's people younger um, towards you. Yeah. And God, we need each other to be able to do that. So God, I just pray for each person listening, God, that you would bring around them people that are older and younger, people to glean from and people to pass on to. God, I pray that you would give us a, a desire and a hunger to spend time in your word, to be reminded of its truth and its goodness. And I pray that we would be um, people that would just chase you and be willing to sacrifice to do that. God, I pray for wisdom for every person listening that we could just find the places we need to adjust in our life, to chase you more and to sit confidently and peacefully in the truth of who you are. So Mm -hmm. God, thank you that we know victory is yours always. Um, Mm -hmm. God, that you are the light in the darkness uh, and God, would we pursue that um, with the wholeness of who we are? Uh, We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Well, listeners, I hope you have enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. It was truly uh, just a privilege to have you on here today. So y'all tune in next Friday. We'll have another episode for you.